0: Welcome to Local St. Charles. This podcast is done in conjunction with the Greater St. Charles County Chamber of Commerce and focuses on local businesses, their successes, their stories, and their challenges. The Local St. Charles podcast is produced by ChangeScape Web. Hey everybody, Ken Tucker with ChangeScape Web. This is the Local St. Charles podcast. We're joined today by Dr. Tim Smith from Study Metrics Research. And we're going to be talking about some really interesting things regarding clinical trials. So thanks, Tim, for joining us.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Can you just talk about what the clinical trial process is? And, and I guess you're actually a center for clinical trials, right? So just kind of walk us through that.
1: When we talk about uh, what we do as drug and medical device research, and when we think about that, there's a couple of different phases that are involved. And uh, when we think about medical research, there's kind of lab or bench research or preclinical research, we call it. And then there's clinical trials, which is uh, human studies. And that's what we do at Study Metrics Research.
0: Okay. Obviously, this is probably a topic that I think a lot of people will be fascinated to learn about, the COVID uh, vaccination and whatnot. So do you have anything you want to talk about in regard to the COVID vaccination process and any, or anything like that?
1: I'd like to make a point about the COVID research and uh, toward the vaccine. I think a lot of people are worried about the vaccine because it was developed very, very quickly. The point I'd like to make about that was that the actual studies and the creative process on making a messenger RNA vaccine actually had been going on for years before they plugged in the uh, sort of genetic code to design the, the vaccine to specifically uh, attack the COVID-19 virus. So it's not like they started last spring and just truncated that process and, and, uh, and fast-forwarded it that much. It was a fast-forwarded process, and they did complete the trials in record time. But the actual research on the messenger RNA basis for that vaccine. I don't want to get too technical, but there was already a lot of basic work that had been done. So uh, I think people can take a lot of, um, at the point it's not made very much, but people can take a lot of comfort in that and knowing that we didn't uh, start and finish clinical trials in less than a year, because I think that would bother a lot of people. Uh, but I think we ha- we can have a high degree of confidence in the safety and effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines that are coming out. That have a lot to do with what I do here, but I just want to make that point. It's one that's not made very often in the public domain.
0: Yeah. So what types of uh, clinical trials do you do there?
1: We have done vaccine trials in the past. We we haven't been doing uh, vaccine lately. Our, our main Uh, focus is on what we call ambulatory general medicine trials, and basically what we've been focused on for the last five years or so has been things like migraine and other pain disorders, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and the like, and we also have diabetic neuropathy, chronic low back pain, and then we've done several studies and have ongoing studies for diabetes and for weight loss, actually, so we have this nice sort of array of different things that we can do. And these trials are all done ambulatory. People don't have to spend the night here. It's an office visit, much like you would have with your regular doctor's office. We do lab tests, sometimes x-rays, EKGs, a lot of history, questionnaires, physical exams. And then uh, um, get. Uh, usually we implement a, a late-phase clinical trial medicine for one of those entities that I just mentioned.
0: I don't know how much you covered of this, but um, I really did want to kind of drill into the drug and medical device development process, where you guys fit into the mix of all of this, and how long does it typically take to get a treatment to market, those kinds of things.
1: The uh, process of drug development from start to finish, from when a medicine is first designed on a computer until it's marketed and people can buy it in a pharmacy, for example, that process takes somewhere close to 8 to 10 years. So it's it's quite a long process. It starts out, as I mentioned, with computer modeling. Try and design a medicine to fit a specific receptor in the body, for example, to have a specific effect to attack a certain disease or symptom. And then from there, it goes on to test tube and laboratory tests, then through animal testing, and then into human testing. And human testing is broken out into four phases. And the first three are prior to marketing and phase four is after marketing. So our specialty and our, our where we fit in is in phases two and three in the human studies. And that's uh, kind of the last couple of years before drugs make it to the market. So that's where we typically fit in. And the typical process is patients from the community come in and volunteer and we take a thorough history, do an examination, do some laboratory and other testing. And if they qualify for the specific study that we're doing, we can put them in the trial and start them on treatment and then follow them for whatever the specified time is in the trial.
0: Okay. So talk a little bit about more, more about receptors. Just help somebody who doesn't work in the medical community really understand what that is.
1: Take a couple of examples, one would be diabetes. So everybody's familiar with the insulin and blood sugar. You know, if your insulin run, if your blood sugar runs high, you take insulin to drive your blood sugar down. That's one of the tenets of, of uh, diabetes treatment. Well, one of the things that happens with type two diabetes is that there are these insulin receptors in the tissues. So the insulin binds to the blood sugar and then hits that receptor to take the sugar into the tissue so it can be used as fuel. In type 2 diabetes, those receptors don't work right, so these new spates of treatments that we're looking at are uh, designed to turn those receptors on and help them to work better. Another example would be in migraine, I don't want to get too complicated here, but there's a chemical called CGRP in the brain, and it attaches to a CGRP receptor, which dilates blood vessels and causes inflammation inside the uh, cranium. And that combination gives people this throbbing, disabling, nauseating headache. And so some of the modern treatments for migraine actually block the receptor for that CGRP molecule. It can't have its effect. And as it turns out, that can either prevent or reverse a migraine once it's uh, started. So that's kind of how receptors work. You have receptors in all of your tissues. Lots of different uh, molecules or chemicals can have effects on them, and we try to be smart and and pick the ones out that have the intended effect that we want and either block them or stimulate them as the case may be to have a, an intended outcome.
0: Wow, fascinating. Do all of the folks who are in your clinical trials do they all have to have the particular condition or, or disease or diagnosis in order to be in the trial? Or do you do any of the blind testing the placebo kinds of things? How does that work?
1: What you're talking about is the phase one trials usually start with the industry, what we call healthy humans, and that's just people who are healthy and don't have have any medical illnesses and they usually get an IV dose of drug and they typically have to stay long-term in a facility and have their blood drawn to see how it circulates through the system and all that kind of stuff. We don't do that level of of, uh, clinical trials. Ours are later where we are actually studying patients who have the disease. So we get migraine patients to participate in a migraine trial and they can typically take the medicines at home. Sometimes we have it where they come here to take the medication and we watch them. But uh, for most of our trials, It's kind of come in, get screened, take the medication home, treat, come back and let us know how it worked. That's the kind of stuff that we usually do. We have different permutations of that, but that's usually what we wind up doing.
0: Is this something that um, doctors refer patients to you or do patients reach out to you guys? How do they get involved in these clinical trials?
1: Could be either way, but usually the the most common way is patients reach out to us and they uh, will have a phone interview with one of my study coordinators and uh, go over the medical history and they'll explain to them what kinds of different trials we have, what would be involved, what their commitment would be, and then uh, decide whether to bring them in for a screening evaluation. And there's no obligation. This is just strictly confidential information that we keep uh, uh, in-house. And we use that to try to get to know people. And we usually wind up having a pretty uh, close relationship to our volunteer subjects because they spend a lot more time with us than they would in their you know, regular doctor's office, for example, because we take a lot more history we spend doing more in-depth examination. We see them a lot more frequently. Many of our studies, the patients have to come in every two weeks to monthly or something like that. So that's kind of how it works. And uh, we find that most of the patients that uh, want to do something good because when they volunteer, they could be helping themselves, but they're definitely helping potentially thousands of other people by helping us answer questions about new medications and new approaches to treating illnesses to, to improve people's lives.
0: I don't know if this is a good question or not. You look at one end of the spectrum and you've got diabetes, which is kind of a perpetual state that somebody's body is in where it's a chronic condition. And then you have migraines, which I'm sure there's a chronic element to it, but that seems to be triggered by a specific event. So is there any difference between the trials and the way you do those?
1: Well, it kind of depends. So the example you gave for migraine, there is the acute attack that we try to treat, and we have medications that we try to implement that. But there's also preventive medicines that people take daily, or they might take a shot monthly, and they've tracked their migraine diaries over time to you know, see if there's a decrease in their severity or frequency, or how much medicine they have to take, or how much work they have to miss, things like that. For diabetes, to your point, that's a chronic illness, and it's important because Having high blood sugar is not good for you, but it's not good for you because of the serious effects it has on your body. Twine tend to go on longer. And we have them, the cardiovascular outcome, they even go on for three to five years where patients may take a study intervention for, for that long to show that it improves not only their quality of life, but their medical outcomes. So there's a whole range of those things. And we have short-term and long-term studies. Some studies might treat one migraine attack some might treat all their migraine attacks for a solid year. So we have, you know, a whole, whole range of those different kinds of studies, and they all answer different questions that are important to patients and also important to the approval process with through the FDA.
0: How do people find out about uh, the different trials that you have going on?
1: A few different ways. They can visit our website at uh, www.studymetrics.com. That's study metrics with an X. And for folks that like to email, they can email us at recruitment at studymetrics.com. That's an email address. And so they can send us an email there. And one of my study coordinators will set up a time to uh, talk to them and go through history and let them know what we have going on. And if uh, patients want to volunteer or pass along their information, if we didn't have volunteers, we wouldn't have any medicines at all. So uh, we really appreciate Mm -hmm. our volunteers. They're medical heroes.
0: That's a great point. I mean, I think they really are completely unsung heroes. People aren't going to know who these folks are because privacy and security and things like that, health records, it really is something that um, I don't think most of us ever stop to think about. So thanks so much for pointing that out. That's a great point. Now, do you do research studies too that are different than the clinical trials?
1: Sometimes we do trials that we will come up with a protocol to answer a question that related to a drug we question a migraine we know that migraine patients very seldom stay the same over years they might start out with infrequent minor attacks and then life events happen and trigger them and make them get worse over time and sometimes we do some you know just uh straight up research projects just to find out what makes people tick and what are the things that are important to them for example and those are typically survey questions without an intervention And sometimes we do those and usually when we do that, it's we come up with a project and we'll go to an organization and get a grant uh, to perform the study and that sort of thing, so we do that. But most of what we do is sponsored uh, drug trials or uh, medical device trials. Medical device trials are very popular now, especially in pain management, because you can sometimes stimulate a peripheral nerve that can reduce pain, and so you don't have to take a medicine, for example. You can just uh, do a simple stimulator across the skin and and, uh, help relieve some of the symptoms, And uh, just as an example of some of the other stuff that we do.
0: Now, you guys are located in St. Peter's, I believe?
1: Yeah, we're right on the St. Peter St. Charles. We're in the 63303 uh, ZIP. We're near Cave Springs and 70. If you go south on uh, Cave Springs, we're just take a left on Mexico Road, and we're on the left. It's uh, 3862 Mexico Road. Pretty easy to find right next to the McDonald's.
0: Awesome. What is your favorite process of the whole clinical trial Timeline or or a process? I, I what do you call it? Do you call it a process timeline? It's it's basically a
1: life. Uh, okay. <laughs> I tell you what I enjoy most about uh, clinical trials, the clinical trials that we do, is the interaction with the patients. You know, we get to spend a lot more time. And I spent a lot of time in private practice and doing clinical trials as a part-time job. And for the last five years, I've been doing this full-time on my own. And uh, we get to spend a lot more time with patients. We get to know them. We get to explore a lot of aspects of their life and really try to help, even if uh, with the clinical trial process, if the medication doesn't work, uh, for example, but we still get to know them and it, and it get, puts us in a position to give them good advice and help them live their lives uh, better. And it's a, just a very gratifying thing for me to do personally and my staff. We've been together for almost 25 years there's a reason for that. I think we enjoy working with one another and they're all really decent, uh, hardworking, smart, friendly, articulate people that uh, I've just come to appreciate like family. And I think our, our study volunteers do as well. I, I think it's one of the most gratifying aspects of running a clinical trial center.
0: Now, do you uh, only work with people in St. Charles County or is it really just a matter of convenience that, you, you know, how far they're willing to come to, to work with you?
1: Yeah, it's really a matter of convenience. They don't have to live uh, within a certain geography. Sometimes we have people who come from across the river, you know, from the Illinois side or from south of St. Louis. Most folks are around the St. Charles area or near St. Louis County, just come across the Blanchet Bridge, for example, and, and visit with us. There's no geography limitations. It's up to how limiting it is to the, to the patient volunteer.
0: Okay. How did COVID affect your practice and your, and your trials?
1: That's a great question. I should knock wood when I say it. We've done pretty well. We've all stayed pretty healthy. When it first hit, uh, a lot of our trials got shut down trying to protect patients. And uh, so after we got used, you know, started to understand more about the virus and transmission, then we were able to open up a little bit more. And now we have a a pretty intense uh, screening process. Our doors are not open just to the general public. We make appointments and patients come in and we screen them. Then we have a a strict distancing and and protective equipment policy here. So we try to protect people as much as we can. And we've done very, very well with this so far now that the vaccine's coming out. And we've all gotten our first dose here, thankfully. We're looking forward to brighter days and, uh, you know, ways that we can help uh, protect people even more and keep them on track for their study visits.
0: Absolutely. So we have a question. Um, If somebody's already seeing a migraine specialist at uh, a a local hospital, can they still be a part of your trial?
1: Most of the time they can. Every protocol has its limitations in terms of what kinds of medicines the patients can be on and how stable they need to be, but it it doesn't preclude them from uh, participating in a study if they're already going to another specialist. I have specialty qualifications in headache management, for example. But I don't run a a private practice like that anymore. I used to many years ago. But now we just do the clinical trials, and we understand patients can be under the care of other providers and still participate. And we're happy to share test results and responses to treatments and that sort of thing with their providers if they want us to do it. It'd certainly be with their permission, though.
0: What if somebody contacts you and you, you aren't working on that particular trial? I would assume that there are different centers that you might be able to refer people back and forth to based on particular conditions that they might have, or or is that something that works?
1: Yeah, there are certain conditions we don't do research on. I don't typically do pediatric studies. We don't do cancer studies and those kinds of things, and we network with other clinical trial centers around the region and uh, generally know the people who are doing the clinical trials and can put people in touch with folks. If it's a therapeutic area we don't delve into, we are more than happy to try to be helpful in any way we can.
0: Okay. Definitely, if you have any questions, I would recommend going and checking out the website, giving these guys a call if you have any questions or concerns. Tim, is there anything else that uh, you want to share in terms of the process? Or if somebody is concerned about understanding the process, yeah. probably the best thing to do is to go look at some of the information on your website and then maybe call you guys?
1: Yeah, that would be best. I just would encourage people. Sometimes folks say, oh, you're, I'm, I'm being a guinea pig or something like that. And we we discourage that stereotype. Uh, the process is very very user friendly, and it's uh, we very much respect and appreciate those volunteer. It's not uh, hyperbolic to refer to them as heroes, I don't think, for for giving their time and coming in and trying to help a process like this. So we will always want to honor them and uh, make sure we respect their dignity and their privacy, and and try to do everything we can to help. So uh, all of our processes are are built out to be very user-friendly for patients uh, to the extent that we can within the FDA guidelines. As I said earlier, without volunteers, we'd have no medicines at all. So thankfully, uh, people have been willing to do that and and it's very gratifying and uh, I think patients enjoy doing it as well.
0: So, I mean, the CDC probably doesn't have anything related to what you do. The primary regulatory agency that you would work underneath would be FDA.
1: Yes, that's right. Regulate uh, The FDA regulates everything we do. If we do a controlled substance trial, the DEA gets involved, but uh, that's uncommon. It's mostly the FDA.
0: Okay. Fascinating stuff. The overwhelming majority of us take for granted and uh, really valuable information. I really appreciate your time today.
1: Uh, happy to be here. And, you know, if folks don't realize, there's a top flight clinical trial center right here in St. Charles County. and. This is where the proverbial magic happens. This is how medications get uh, studied and approved, and you can do it right here in our own community. So uh, we'd love to hear from folks.
0: And I would assume it's very rigorous scientific processes that are followed and adhered to. Unfortunately, I think we've seen so many people start to become too skeptical about science and and its role and how it can help. So uh, hopefully this, uh, this conversation has helped maybe to dispel some of those concerns. So thanks so much, Tim.
1: Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Thank you. Take care. All right. We want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Please be sure and subscribe to the local St. Charles podcast in your podcast software. We'd love for you to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to visit localstcharles.com for more episodes, information on local businesses, free resources, and a link to set up a free consultation with the host of this podcast. Thanks again and stay tuned. Ken Tucker here from Change Cape Web. Chances are your customers are texting. They do it every day, several times per day. Text message marketing allows your business to meet your customers where they are already spending time. And text messages get better open and engagement rates than email or social media. We have a terrific text message marketing system for brick and mortar businesses. Text the word, text me more, that's all one word, Two. to see how this could work for your business. Or visit localleads.me forward slash text and click on the blue, see the power of text message marketing button in the lower right corner, then enter your phone number.